Today, we speak to the CEO of an organization that is the influential united voice of the travel and tourism industry in California, which supports 1.22 million jobs and $12.2 billion in state and local taxes. Stay tuned as we learn more about their advocacy efforts for the California travel industry. Participate, engage, speak out. Use your voice to be an effective advocate. The Voices in Advocacy podcast examines the diverse landscape of advocacy, exploring the ins and outs of building influence, driving change, and creating champion advocates. It's now time for the Voices in Advocacy podcast with your host, Roger Ricker. Welcome to the Voices in Advocacy podcast, and I hope you're enjoying season four. We are proud to announce that this show is now ranked the number seven top advocacy podcast in the world, according to Feedspot. I'm Roger Rickard, president and founder of Voices in Advocacy, where we work with organizations to inspire, educate, engage, and activate your supporters by turning them into influential advocates. And this is the podcast dedicated to the art of advocacy. This podcast is for the people that work and engage in advocacy efforts for their organizations, be they corporations, associations, trade organizations, and nonprofit cause groups. Now, let's get started. On today's show, we are pleased to be speaking with Bard Newton, the Chief Executive Officer of the California Travel Association, known as Cal Travel. In this role, Barb is responsible for leading the organization to protect and advance travel and tourism interests through advocacy, collaboration, and education. Prior to joining Cal Travel in 2014, she was the president of Sunset Publishing, a diversified publishing company based on the leading media brand in the West. Barb serves on boards of the U.S. Travel, Education Week, CSU Hospitality and Tourism Alliance, and the Cal Poly EIM Advisory Board. She has a BA and MA from Lehigh University. Barb and her husband have two wonderful children and a beach-loving border colleague. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome Barb Newton to today's show. Welcome, Barb. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Glad to have you here. It's, it's about time as we uh, have uh, been talking to different people in the travel and tourism industry uh, over the shows, and I'm, I'm glad to have the largest state represented here. So tell people ab about the mission of uh, US, of uh, Cal Travel. Sure. So as you mentioned, it is the united voice of tourism. We're the advocacy voice that brings together destination marketing organizations, attractions, hotels, airplane, airlines, uh, airports, rental cars, really the entire uh, travel and tourism industry. And we advocate for a successful, safe, and, um, and, and great brand of California tourism. And, and that's quite diverse when you consider when you go from San Diego, clear up to the Redwoods and up to the Oregon, Oregon coast, you've got a diverse audience of people there, correct? Absolutely. Uh, diversity in all kinds, from geography to 
types of organizations to the, the people that we represent. Right. And the services that you provide them. Absolutely. Or that they provide for the, for the travel. So why is advocacy engagement so important to the travel industry in California? That's a great question and one that's really changed uh, in the last few years. We were very fortunate in the state of California to have a decade of record-breaking growth for travel and tourism. In spite of challenges that California always faces, um, we had an incredible run and then the pandemic hit. And um, prior to the pandemic, our advocacy had been pretty focused on you know, Sacramento state politics, labor issues and environmental issues and, uh, and uh, sustainability issues. The ones you would expect are typical. When the pandemic hit, our entire uh, industry was shut down as many other parts of the country were, but California was shut down the longest. And um, our governor really decided that he would take a stand, uh, as you know, on the national stage with the way that he was handling the pandemic. Um, safety came first for our industry, absolutely, for our visitors, for our workers, for our residents. But we did lose um, some competitive advantage because California was the last state in the United States to announce a plan for reopening for large meetings and events, which is a huge part of uh, California's tourism economy. So we worked very um, differently during the pandemic with the governor and with GoBiz, which is their Office of Economic Development, in order to find a way to reopen the legislators who we normally would turn to and have good relationships with, really had no power in this conversation. Um, the governor had just decided to declare a state of emergency and rule by executive order. So we really had to rethink our advocacy efforts and build new alliances and coalitions in order to make our case. So. Um, we also, during this time, advocated much more heavily on a federal level because so, so many of the challenges that our tourism industry had in California uh, needed federal solutions. So we aligned with U.S. Travel Association and worked very closely with them on that advocacy. Now, did you involve the, the, the people of the industry in this or just as kind of the leadership of the organization? Did you get into your grassroots to help you speak out to those issues? Um, absolutely. We have just under a thousand individual members of CalTravel and representing about 240 um, organizations. And we really believe in the grassroots advocacy power generally. In this case, um, the again, the legislators really were not able to help us too much. So we had to turn to our um, local health officers and to our other uh you know, alliances, but still the grassroots effort was very important because many of our local um, cities were even implementing um, policies that went beyond the state. So at the very beginning of the pandemic, I um, started just a weekly phone call for, it, we called it the, um, the COVID task force, just to convey what we were hearing from the administration and to keep everyone up to speed. And it went from 30 members to about 120 in just a couple of weeks. And through that process of the pandemic, we stayed in touch with all of our, our local members through that, um, primarily through that uh, Zoom group and <clears throat> became the uh, California Recovery um, 
task force as we started to come out of the pandemic. But as as much as our advocacy efforts changed, the grassroots effort still was really important. Well, and it sounds to me, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that actually probably brought the group even closer together because of that weekly conversation and uh, showing uh, your ability to stand up and try to protect uh, their employees, their businesses, as well as the travelers' interest in that time. Is that correct? Absolutely. In fact, it engaged different parts of our tourism uh, ecosystem who hadn't been as involved in Cal Travel in the past. I think the largest group probably would be the convention centers, I would say. They had um, been a little bit more competitive and worked on a more local and then on a national basis, but hadn't had a big presence in our state organization. But we really needed uh, to come together as a state in order to speak with the administration on reopening for large meetings and events. So I, I actually got a, a good segment of new members and really uh, helped revitalize our efforts for meetings and events during that time. And you know, Barb, that, that's not surprising to me because when I had a conversation with the American Society of Travel Advisors uh, in the middle of the pandemic, they were talking about membership increase because now all of a sudden members realized the value proposition that the organization brought them, particularly in their time of need. So uh, I, I'm glad you had an opportunity to capitalize on that. Uh, what's on the minds now, today? We're, we're pretty much out of uh, it, at least the very restrictive uh, nature of what COVID brought us. Uh, now what's on the minds of the members when it comes to advocacy issues for, for travel in California? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I think immediately coming out, we reverted back to a more traditional advocacy effort to try to get some funding to jumpstart tourism in California and help regain some of that competitive advantage. And we were successful in getting a $95 million um, one-time grant from the governor in the California budget last year, which went a long way toward uh, just starting our marketing efforts at Visit California. And we just got another $15 million um, in the budget to help us continue that effort since the recovery was a little more uneven and took a little longer than we had expected. We're doing really well at our beach destinations and our rural destinations and our national parks, but our gateway cities are still really struggling. Um, the, the work at home has made our downtowns um, struggle to keep our restaurants and our other attractions open. We've also had, you know, it's no secret the homelessness and the crime issue has hurt not only um, our visitors, but our residents and our workers, and we're really having to work on that. So although we are seeing a, a robust recovery in demand for tourism in California, we still have many issues that we're dealing with um, that many of them were there before the pandemic, but are exacerbated by being shut down for two years. And then, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to add, I, I think that, that most people wouldn't necessarily recognize the diversity of issues that you must tackle to be able to provide an environment that is inviting for people uh, that are traveling. Would you agree? Yes. Um, you know, there are over 2,200 bills that come out of Sacramento in a legislative session. 
And one of the biggest challenges that we have at CalTravel being, you know, a trade association that's so diverse is choosing which are the bills that we're really going to focus on and, and put our efforts behind. We are a relatively small organization and really have to prioritize. So these are government relations committee with representatives of each of our major categories and the diversity of geography across the state to help pick which are the top issues that we're working with. And right now what's coming to the top really uh, workforce issues and labor issues are absolutely um, critical for us. We It took a while for us to really decide to dive into homelessness because it's such a complex issue and it goes so far beyond what tourism can solve, but because it is such an issue for our California brand, we decided we did need to get involved in that. So we do um, advocate on, on homelessness issues and some, you know, crime, illegal vending is a, an issue that's actually a, a big issue for our, our cities and our beach destinations right now. And of course, you know, sustainability is another issue that has paused a little bit during the pandemic and come roaring back as the crowds are coming back. So yes, we have quite a diversity of issues. And right now what we're looking at is um, competing for large, media, large events, sporting events and cultural events and festivals. There are other states who have funds at the state level that allow them to be able to compete for those really big events. And California does not have that. We're in the very early stages of figuring out how we might be able to introduce some legislation uh, to get some help to really be able to compete more effectively against other states. Right. And, and financially, for a change, California is in a pretty good, pretty good shape. Would you agree? Moment, you know, uh, you know, our the way our budget is run, we have great years and we have terrible years and we do but our rainy day fund is not large enough to really cover this. And um, the challenge is when we have a really good year and then uh, spending plans are set, it's hard to pull them back when the money's not coming in. And so we're looking at, uh, I think, a couple rougher years ahead. But certainly right now, uh, we're in a very great position for the California budget. You mentioned your advocacy committee. Uh, approximately, what is the size of that committee? We have 34 members on our government relations committee and they're the ones who really help us guide advocacy policy. Right, and and you mentioned the diversity of that group. Uh, I think uh, people need to recognize, you know, s some organizations have very uh, small number of people that get involved in their government affairs advocacy uh, uh, committees and, and 34 for a state is actually very, very large. Uh, in, in what you're doing there. A lot of, uh, a lot of rodeo roping and wrangling that has to go on to try to, to keep them on task, I'm sure. What, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of just the word advocacy? Uh, engagement. For us, it, it really is a continuing, um, I hope, positive motivation to get members to understand power of advocacy and the importance because people who have different views certainly understand it. And if you don't advocate for your position, um, you know, we've seen this in real life happen that uh, you don't have a voice. So 
a lot of what we are doing with our conventions and our outside speakers and our day-to-day -day interactions with our members is just trying to show them the importance and the value of getting engaged and really building those relationships and uh, making learning how to make a case. I often say that, uh, you know, it's, it's too late to call the insurance company when the fire trucks are at the door. <laughs> and uh, oftentimes people wait until the last minute and say, uh-oh, now, now we've got a fire. Uh, how do we put it out? And when, in fact, the key to that is being able to develop those relationships, just like you indicated. So you're a former publisher. You understand the importance of storytelling. So how important is storytelling to your messaging? Well, your analogy of the fire uh, and the, the calling the firemen could actually be an answer to this, I think, because wildfires is a huge issue in our state. Yeah. And our, uh, many of our most iconic tourism destinations have been affected, you know, the Yosemites and the Napa Valley, the Central Coast. And um, a falling out of that is the insurance rates have gone through the roof for wineries and hotels and, and restaurants, um, in some cases, 10 times what they were before 2019. And now we have people coming to us and saying, how do we get our message that we can't pay these insurance premiums um, coming out of the wildfires? And it is a little late when they come to us, you know, after, after fire, just as you said, when uh, the firemen are already there. But that's, in fact, is what we are trying to do is right. create so you're we just had a, a meeting with um the in, insurance commissioner uh laura to talk about bring our restaurants and our wineries and our other business people who are really going through this to to just tell them the story here we have a vital business it's gone through you know wildfires it's gone through a pandemic it's gone through workforce where we have nowhere to put people our hotels are full of emergency workers we're trying to come back and then they get hit with this insurance bill and being able to just put it in the voice of an individual small business who's trying to come out of uh of the situation that they're in makes it so much more compelling than having a lobbyist talk about the fact that we want lower insurance rates for our industry. Um, what we have learned is that um, our members are great storytellers. They know what they're going through and we have really compelling stories to tell. So it's it's getting the relationship and the time to be able to, to tell that story. And we're experimenting with different ways. We have brought in some PR consultants to help us tell the story on specific issues and um, We've used social media in new ways to send really targeting messaging, but ultimately, ultimately it comes down to um, being able to make that compelling case to legislators and other administration officials. Right. And, and people often equate uh, advocacy to uh, government affairs only from a standpoint of legislatively. Uh, you've given a, two great examples here. You had the executive branch uh, that during the COVID period of time that really managed everything. And now you're dealing with the, the regulatory uh, agencies uh, when you're dealing with insurance issues and how to overcome that and to be able to tell that, that story. So you mentioned PR firms. 
what about what are other ways that you're trying to prepare your advocates for success? So we're just coming up to our annual Cal Travel Summit, and that's one opportunity that we have to bring our entire industry together. We get about 425 members of the travel and tourism industry. It's in Greater Palm Springs, beautiful resort at the JW Marriott Desert Springs. And we seduce them by bringing them out with uh, a, a great resort and some really great social events. But once they get there, we really try to take that opportunity to make our case as clearly as possible for advocacy with outside speakers, political analysts, economists, um, industry experts. Um, we try to make it interactive with workshops and definitely try to use that as our opportunity to bring people up to speed with of the moment um, information they need to be better advocates. We also do, um, we have done a rally day uh, every year in Sacramento. We had to pause during the pandemic and right now um, in California, they're still not encouraging in-person rally days in Sacramento because of the pandemic, but also because the, um, the legislature is being um, renovated. So there's really no room to meet. This year we did something really different. We did an in-district advocacy day. And what we found is that there were some real benefits to it. There's benefits to bringing everyone in a group into Sacramento and being able to have reception afterwards and work um, in Sacramento. But what we found when we did in-district advocacy day was that the district staff often is there a lot longer than the staff in Sacramento, even as legislators turn over. And we also were able to go deeper into the community. So people brought board members along, other prominent business people who weren't necessarily um, part of Cal Travel, but were part of the travel and tourism ecosystem in that local community. And um, there was a little more time to talk, you know, in district. So um, we're trying to figure out, we like both of those models and trying to do some kind of uh, hybrid maybe in the future or alternate every other year, but there really are benefits both ways. And it really helped, I think, get different types of people involved. You know, one of the advantages of those district meetings, as you well are aware of, is A, that you mentioned that the staff are there longer uh, in many cases, but they're also more politically astute to the local issue. Absolutely. And who's in the community more. Uh, and that gives you that opportunity uh, to be able to dive a little bit deeper with them. Uh, they know the value of, of what you bring to the community probably easier rather than trying to have to prove it. Uh, uh, they, they get it probably quicker that way. Um, so I think that that's a, a fabulous, fabulous move. You've mentioned a lot of different issues from all over the board. And, and I know that they affect travel because of my experience with that. Uh, one of the biggest things, uh, one of the biggest challenges, what, what do you think they are that are going to face not only your members, but maybe travelers five years down the road or 10 years down the road? Wow. Oh, that's a hard question. And that's a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I would have to say that uh, sustainability and infrastructure transportation, as I do think the demand will come back. Um, and I do think we, although, you know, we're working very hard to become more competitive. California is a great brand for tourism, <clears throat> but how we come back, do we come back stronger and better and smarter 
Do we have the infrastructure to handle the crowds? Do we have the support of our residents for tourism? Um, right before the pandemic, we were finding sentiment from residents was turning a little bit against tourism because of the crowds, because of you know the Airbnb issues in some cases, overcrowding. Um, so how do we come back in a way? I think that one benefit of the pandemic is they saw that the tax money that tourism brings in when it went away, they really missed that. And the ability to keep their favorite restaurants open and their beloved you know, attractions without tourism, the local community can't support those. So we've gotten a little bit of a reprieve, but I think that's always a vulnerability for us. Um, I think the labor issues are um, certainly going to swing from where they are right now, but continue to be an issue in California. Um, just, you know, managing labor. Um, and then our large cities, I hope by five to 10 years, we'll be back. But it's going to be a slow, I think, recovery for our largest gateway cities as we really figure out what downtowns look like um, and how they interact and where people live and how they work. So I, I feel I feel optimistic, but I do think that it's going to take a couple of years. And then you know, getting so many of our gateway cities are really dependent on international travel. So we need a, a stable world um, political view as well. And we need safety for people to be traveling around the world. You know, I'm going to use an old time reference here. It, it, as you were talking about all the diversity of all those issues, everything else, it seems to me it's, it's like uh, the guys that used to uh, be in vaudeville and then maybe that were on uh, uh, Ed Sullivan's show where they would come on and they'd start spinning one plate and then they're spinning the next plate. And before you know it, they've got 20 plates and, you know, uh, it's, it's just incredibly difficult. So with that, what challenges do you have in your job when it comes to this, when it comes to that advocacy? I think, uh, again, your analogy is very apt. Uh getting some pressure from members right now to say, let's get involved in some local issues and with some local legislators we know are going to be headed to Sacramento. So we build those relationships early. And uh, it is tempting at times, um, but that's a real challenge because California is a huge state and to really do advocacy well on a, on a local or regional basis takes so many resources and thought, you know, such thoughtfulness that I'm not sure we can do that well. And I think it, that's probably one of the things we're going to have to let drop to the floor. Um, we have a quarter of our legislators are going to be turning over with the next legislative session. So we're going to have to rebuild those relationships from grassroots again um, with a whole new set of new legislators. And that's going to be challenging enough is building that grassroots organization. That's going to be our focus in the next year is really to uh, to work with our members to, to build those relationships with new legislators. And I think at a state and national level, we have enough challenges that I think local is going to be a little too challenging for us in, in the short term. We also, um, because we are such a, um, such a diversified organization, each of our subsets have their own set of priorities. And I do have about, um, almost 10 uh, association members within the Cal Travel membership in individual advocacy roles. So what we're trying to get really good at are just building coalitions, letting them take the lead and do the deep dive on their issues. 
but when it makes sense to be able to bring the whole force of Cal Travel behind them in order to, to amplify their voice is working really well because we can't be all things to all people, but we have really smart advocacy people across the state. So I think we're working much more effectively than we were a couple of years ago with the other advocacy organizations who have those deep knowledges, knowledge in those specific areas. As someone who used to live in California and understands a little bit, and I say that uh, affectionately, a little bit of knowledge about how California operates, most people don't realize that California is almost like three states. You have Northern California, you have Southern California, and then you have kind of the inland empire. And all three are very different and diverse. And when you're dealing with legislatures, and legislators that, are, that come from those three different areas, uh, you know, if, if one person gets, the other two get. It's like three children sitting at the table. Oh, you know, how come they got the extra ice cream scoop? Uh, and, and we need to get that as well. What is the uh, best professional tip you personally have ever received in your career? Another great question. Um... I, I had a boss one time who gave me great advice that uh, has, I think, served me well in this role as well, although he was a publishing executive. Um, and I, his advice was assume positive intent. When you're working with people, don't assume they're, they have nefarious goals. Don't assume they're out to get you or that uh, there's ill intent. Assume they're trying to do their absolute best to do the right thing. And you will find sometimes that's not true, but if you go in with that attitude, you can find common ground and work so much more effectively than if you go in as a suspicious person. So I think that that works in personal life in um, any kind of work situation and also, and maybe especially in advocacy is to try to understand where people are coming from and why they feel the way they do and assume that they're doing it for good reasons, and then find a way to work with them from that position. Barb, that is such excellent, excellent advice. And nobody that's been on the show has ever shared anything like that. So uh, kudos to the boss and kudos for you for taking that, that, that great advice. Uh, time flies when I do these podcasts, and it just seems like we just got started and we're kind of at the end here. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to add? Uh, well, first, I wanted to say thank you so much for inviting me because we have been in such a whirlwind in the last you know, couple of years. We don't often get the time to kind of step back and say, OK, you know, what have we learned? Where are we going? And these questions have been personally uh, helpful, helpful to me. But I would say that um, the world has changed so much in the last two years, and we're really learning that advocacy is permanently changing. The basics of it are still the same. The assume positive intent and, you know, make your voice heard and build your relationships, but the ways to do it continue to change. And that's what in some ways makes this job really fun and, as well as really challenging. Um, but I'm, I'm excited about the future. I think that we're entering into a, a fraught political climate on a national level, um, on a state level for us, and I'm sure for many other people and on a local level. But I think it just 
it makes it even more important for all of us to be informed and be aware and have energy and determination and and keep at it. So uh, I guess that's what I would say is that don't get discouraged and just know that it's more important than ever to have a voice. Great advice. Barb, how can people reach the California Travel Association, Cal Travel, for more information? Sure. Um, my email is really easy, barb at caltravel.org. Uh, we also have a website, um, caltravel.org, and we'd be happy to hear from anyone. We like to build alliances. I learn from all of the interactions that I have. I uh, love to hear from people. Wonderful. Well, that's a wrap of today's fantastic conversation with Barb Newton, CEO of the California Travel Association. Thank you, Barb, for being on the show today and all the best in all of your efforts. Thanks so much, Roger. Thank you for having me. Let's face it. Today's advocacy arena is just plain noisy. Organizations are stretched. You need every advantage to make sure your issue gets the attention it deserves and your voice heard. The RAP Index is the best way to do just that by finding your stakeholders' relationships and engagement power. Get past the noise. Know who your people know. Go to rapindex.com. That's rapindex.com. And tell them Roger sent you for a special offer. If you like today's podcast, head over to where you find your podcast and subscribe to the Voices in Advocacy podcast. A big thank you to today's guest. I appreciate your time and the unwavering passion for advocacy you have. Well, that's it for this episode of Voices in Advocacy. Remember, you have the power to be an effective, influential advocate. Now go out and make it a better world. We hope you enjoyed today's Voices in Advocacy podcast and look forward to you joining us again next week. To learn more about Voices in Advocacy, go to our website, voicesinadvocacy.com.